This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. My feline friends, this is Michelle Fern, host of Catitude. I have a an author today with us that I am so proud to introduce to you. I'm not going to tell you her name just yet, but she is a New York Times bestselling author, and all her books have been about cats. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message. It's the Cats of Laughing Thunder in the new business's adventure. Follow the hilarious adventures of the cartoon cats of Laughing Thunder as they each launch a business to earn money. Sven starts a cooking show with dishes that are a bit bizarre. Yolanda builds a robot with serious issues. Fritz buys a blimp to film weather videos. Pumpkin publishes a how-to-be unmannerly website, but they face many troubles along the way. From silly adults to stupid teens, from unruly robots to wild weather. Will they succeed? Find out in this awesome illustrated children's fiction book featuring the Cats of Laughing Thunder in the new business's adventure. You can purchase their latest adventure book at shop.laughingthunder.com. That's shop.laughingthunder.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to introduce Helen Brown. She is a New York Times bestselling author, and I am so excited to have her with us today. Welcome, Helen. Thank you very much, Michelle. Lovely to be talking to you. Wonderful to talk to you. And... You are, I know people are hearing an accent, so you're, let's tell them, you're based in Australia, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm a New Zealander by birth, and, and I, we live in Melbourne, Australia at the moment. But I come over to the States once a year or so and catch up with people here. So I, I like to think I belong to the world. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Well, I've been to your country. <laughs> well, I think we all do in a way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're all very human, and, and we all have the same things that make us worry and happy and sad, and I think, you know, we're all connected by that, and that's where cats in particular, I think, link us and uh, help us live life. Let's talk about, you have, you're a New York Times bestselling author, you have written two books, well, three books so far, right? Yeah. Okay, Cleo and Cats and Daughters, and your latest, which is Bono, which is, I'm in love with this book, but I have not read your other two books, so I'm sure I would be in love with all of them. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why books about cats. Well, you know, I grew up in rural New Zealand, and my mother really didn't like cats. She was a dog person, and so by the time I was a young adult, I thought I I was a particularly more of a dog person than a cat person. We had a lovely dog, a golden retriever called Rata. And my son, Sam, who was nine back in 1983, he took us out to see some new kittens one day and he 
chose this little black runt of the litter and he said, oh, mum, please, can I have this kitten, please? You know, it's my birthday soon. I'll be nine soon. And, you know, I was stitched up. And so I couldn't say no, not with his birthday coming. And his younger brother, Rob, was there. Anyway, so I said, okay, we'll have the kitten, but you'll have to wait a few weeks because the kitten's not old enough yet to come and live with us. And between that time... About a week later, Sam was run over and killed by a car. And, you know, our lives were just blown apart, as anyone who's suffered the loss of a child will know. And I, you know, our lives, I thought our lives were over. And about three weeks after the funeral, there was a knock on the door. I opened the door, and there was this woman holding this thing that I thought was a little toy or a puppet. And uh, I realised it was the kitten, and I was just about to send it back when Rob, Sam's younger brother, came running down the hall. He said, oh, Mum, it's, it's Sam's kitten, it's Cleo. Welcome home, Cleo. And, you know, that was a really pivotal changing point in our grief and our life. That little kitten brought some smiles back into the house for the first time since the loss of our beautiful son and she was a great healer she helped Rob get over well no you don't get over grief you don't I mean he helped us all this kitten helped us all encompass our loss and it really opened my eyes through the years Cleo lived to be 24 what a small black cat can do for a little for a household a grieving household and you know since I wrote Cleo which is the story of how Cleo really helped heal us. Um, I've had so many messages from people and telling their stories of how cats and sometimes dogs and even horses have really connected with them at a deep level and helped them heal their pain. So, yes, so that was um, a very changing point in our lives. And um, it took me a long time to feel ready to write that story in book form, and that was... 20 years later that I actually sat down and and started telling that story and uh, now it's in about 17 languages and uh, it seems to have touched people at a very deep level and then you know after Cleo died I thought well that's the end of cats in my life (laughs) and anyone out there who loves cats knows that's a very silly thing to say (laughs) we went for a couple of years without a cat and in between times I was diagnosed with breast cancer not too badly but I had to have a mastectomy and came out of the hospital and my sister came to look after me Um, and she went for a walk one day and she came back to the house and she said oh She said, I've just seen something really lovely, but I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) And I said, oh, go on, tell me. And she said, well, it's in a pet shop down the road. It's this cutest little kitten. And, oh, I struggled out of bed, and she bundled me into the car. And there he was, this little white Siamese kitten. He climbed up the wire in the pet shop. I know now that you really shouldn't buy animals from pet shops. But anyway, it was... 10 years ago now, and this little white kitten climbed up the wire and fixed me with these big blue eyes, and he put a paw out between the netting and touched my hand, and I knew at that moment I'd been chosen. So that little kitten is called Jonah. He's since grown up into a very demanding alpha male. He's very neurotic. I hope 
you know, how people say animals are like their owners. Well, <laughs> if I'm like Jonah, I'm pretty neurotic. But he is a wonderful writer's cat. I think every writer needs a cat. And uh, Jonah is just perfect for me. He sometimes writes his own blog. He despises living with an inferior human. And so, yes, so that was my next cat. My deepest condolences on the loss of your son. That's one of the hardest things I think a parent would ever have to deal with in their life. And also, you know, your diagnosis. I'm very glad that it, it turned out positive. But yeah. it, it is amazing what animals could do for us. And there's, there's an organization, I think it's called Habri, and it's for people. It, well, there's probably many organizations, but... There's such power in how, you know, cats and dogs and ferrets and horses and whatever you might have can make us feel better or do for us that they almost, you know, it's like get out of, they have the doctor get a prescription pad and instead of writing, this is a pill for something. It's like, go to the nearest shelter and get yourself a dog or a cat or, you know, <laughs> something else. Because they do have, yeah. as you described, amazing power. They sense things. When my mother passed, I had my, she was, I think, 12-year-old um, mutt with me. I had driven across the country to take care of my mother. And um, she did pass, but I was so grateful to have my dog with me. And she lived on another three years. She was a 60-pound mutt, so they typically live, wow. you know, 14 to 17, maybe 12 to 17 years, I've heard. But she lived to 14 years and seven months. And she was so wonderful to have. And I was so grieved when she passed. I, Mr. Z came along within a week. And then we had a hurricane, but that's another story. But they do, they do help you. There's, they just sense these things. That's why they make, you know, great working dogs. But cats too. Cats I, have amazing powers to understand your emotions. And I don't know. I think the more tied up we are with our phones and our technology, we become less connected in some ways with our own real humanity, our animal selves, in fact, you know, and, and we forget how to be intuitive and, and warm and just being there for people. And that's what cats and dogs do, isn't it? They, they are just there for us and they, they give unconditionally in their love. Exactly. So tell us about your latest book, your um, adventure with Bono. Yes, well, this was the book I never thought I'd write. <laughs> I was invited to New York, and I just thought, well, that'll be lovely. I'll meet up with my friends. I'll have a great time. I'll go to Broadway. I'll do all of that. And my publisher said, while you're here, why don't you foster a kitten? I thought, oh, dear. I really don't feel like emptying kitty litter while I'm in New York. And then I thought, oh, well, no, all right. Well, if I do have to have a kitten, I'll have a very old tortoiseshell cat who just eats and sleeps, and that will be fine. And then we went along to the shelter when we got to New York, and we were greeted very warmly, and the guy who ran the place, Johnny, said, I'm so glad you've come to get Bono. And I thought, what's a Bono? I was sort of looking around to see if there were any rock stars in the <laughs> corner. And they, they took us over to this little room and there were lots of sleepy cats there and then suddenly this black cannonball shot across the room in front of us and he, that was Bono, a crazy cat with a very punk hairdo. 
He'd been washed up after Hurricane Sandy. And, uh, you know, there's so many animals that are victims of natural disasters. And when they do happen, we're so concerned with dealing, helping people um, get to safety, we often forget um, how many animals are victims when we have these massive tornadoes. Or in Japan, I was invited there and went to the tsunami region, and it was the same thing. Animals suffer terribly in these big events. And anyway, Bono had been washed up on Long Island after Hurricane Sandy and his owners hadn't claimed him and he went to a shelter and they found he had kidney failure. So nobody wanted to adopt him. And John said, look, just give Bono a little holiday. Just keep him for a few days and give him a rest from the shelter. He's the smallest cat here. He's being bullied by all the big cats. And my daughter, Lydia, who was with me at the time, she just fell in love with Bono and she was so excited to be taking him back to this little dump of a place that we were renting. And um, Bono very quickly wrapped us around his little paw. And before we knew it, well, before I knew it, I was very much in love with him too. And I became determined to try and find him a home. And about the only thing I can do is a bit of writing, so I started doing a blog for Huffington Post to see if somebody would take over this little cat and adopt him. And I got thousands, well, hundreds of emails from people saying how much they loved him and they would love to have him, but they either had allergies to fur or they lived in Belgium or somewhere and couldn't come and get him. And, you know, I later found out 22 million people read that blog, but not one of them would come and take Bono. And I was very anxious and I didn't know what to do, whether to take him back to Australia, which was going to be very difficult considering how sick he was, or to get my family to move to New York. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, fortunately, things worked out all right in the end. <laughs> so what happened at the end, or do you want to leave that for people who are... Well, I think we'll, ha- we'll give them a spoiler alert. Read the book. I think you have to read the book. Because um, you, uh, <laughs> it was most unexpected how things were resolved in the okay. end. And they were resolved wonderfully for Bono. Okay. So, everyone, you have to read the book. And let me tell you, this is, <laughs> it's a really interesting book. I read half of it in just a couple of days in between recordings and other stuff I do. And it read so fast and it's so interesting. And it's for Anyone that has cats or has adopted cats from anywhere, you know, there's always a process with them. And as far as acclimating them to your home and all of that, even though it's not the same with an ill cat or in your, this situation of Bono, anyone can relate, you know, to uh, kind of altering yourself to their demands versus the opposite. So it's um, a great book, Helen. Where can people find the book, Bono? Well, I think it's everywhere. I think you can buy it online, and it's in just about every bookshop. So my publishers tell me. (laughs) And I've just heard it's being translated into Chinese and Russian, so I'm expecting a whole lot of people to come into New York to foster cats any minute. (laughs) Okay, so... Everyone, it's called Bono, B-O-N-O, and Helen Brown is the author. As always, there'll be information for this episode at PetLifeRadio.com under Catitude. 
We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City five years ago, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut and enough catitude to light up the Empire State Building would be the one to teach her the true meaning of love and a forever home. In the tradition of her internationally best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, the amazing story of a rescue cat who inspired a community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor. A homeless cat without much hope, and finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Modern Cat Magazine calls Bono an uplifting tale about how everyone deserves love and a second chance. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Let's talk a little bit, Helen. Let's talk about you. How many cats have you had? Do you have any in Australia at home right now? Yes, well, I do have Jonah, who is now 10 years old, who is that crazy cat that I acquired after I had breast cancer. And he has been a healer in his own right, too, even though he has quite a few issues and has to have an antipsychotic pill every day. He has tremendous personality and he is a great source of love. He's so affectionate. And you know the way you were talking about how your dog helped you. When I was recovering from cancer, Jonah was on my bed all day, you know, just being there and often snuggling around where my wounds were and purring. And they do say purring is a is a very healing thing, vibration that that it can actually have a physical effect on the human body and lower blood pressure and slow the heart rate. So, you know, even though he's a handful, <laughs> he brings great joy and a lot of love into our house. And he makes me write. Every morning I get up and if I haven't gone into my study to start writing, he'll meow and meow at me and he'll herd me like a sheepdog into my study and sit on the desk or on my lap until I start writing. So I'm very lucky to have him, really. You know, I wonder when you're saying that, I wonder if our cats give us, because I take my crew home and I have two dogs and three cats on my crew. And I'm wondering if they sometimes give us hints. And this is kind of a very, I almost, this is funny, but um, let's see, Molly. She likes to go in my closet and sit on a pile of clothes because I, I have too much and look up and grab stuff. So I'm wondering if she's hinting, clean up your closet. That'll help your life get cleaned up kind of a hint. You know, you wonder what kind of signals they give us. I know it's very simplistic. It's not the same as healing or anything. But 
I wonder sometimes if they're giving us just these hints in life, you know, to do this or do that, or I'm telling you do this without in their way. What are your thoughts? Yes. Oh, I think that's. Well, I think maybe Molly is choosing your wardrobe for the day. Perhaps maybe. she's saying, "I'll pull this jacket down; it'll suit you perfectly." <laughs> I I think there's just so much that we don't know, and and they're doing more and more research, which is fascinating, really, on what goes on inside animal minds, and let alone that wonderful connection they have with us. You know, and we've had them around us pets for thousands and thousands of years and so the connection's very deep isn't it it certainly is and i think there is there's a lot of research going on and i think it's probably been exploding in the last maybe 10 or 15 years and and every year it seems to increase about how pets can heal us and just these miracle stories that you hear, there's organizations, you know, pets are given more priority. We call ourselves pet parents. There are fur kids or four-legged kids. They're not just, you know, this is my dog anymore. This is my cat anymore. You know, this is my fur baby. So it's just amazing, what, you know, and, and their unconditional love. Uh, that's always been, but it's, I think, being just more recognized now, you know. And I think as life and our Western lives get busier and crazier, we need them more and more. You know, I agree with you. I think it is over the last 10 years. And isn't it wonderful now that they're being welcomed into hospitals and hospices, you know, that, that they really are being acknowledged as the healers that they are. One of the things I found interesting about Bono is that he was a rescue cat, and I'd never had an animal from a shelter before and it was so fascinating to me how grateful he was um he just seemed to relish every moment and and he was prancing around this shabby little flat that we were in sort of saying oh you've got a fridge oh that's so wonderful and i'd wake up in the mornings and he'd be prancing across the floor as if this was the best thing that had ever happened to him and you know watching him and living with him actually taught me to be more grateful for the things I have in my life. You know, I have a, a good marriage back in Australia and, and a wonderful family. And I'd kind of, because I'd been so restless after the cancer, I'd kind of gone off on this tangent thinking that maybe I needed a new life. But watching him and and seeing how he just savoured every moment. And, you know, we were both feeling a little bit homeless. I learned an awful lot from him. And I've learnt to be more grateful and learnt more to live in the moment the way animals do. And just, you know, life is tough and we can spend a lot of time worrying about the things that aren't going well and thinking about the things that we've lost. And in my case, I've lost a son and, and a breast and I'm getting older now and, you know, you can the kids have left home and you think, oh, my, my life is a misery. But then if you actually open your eyes and see what every day brings, life just keeps on giving. It's the most wonderful thing to be alive. And I think... That little rescue cat who was far sicker than I had ever been opened my eyes to that, you know, and you walk down the street and you see the sun filtering through the green leaves and feel the fresh air on your face and you know that life is a, is a wonderful thing. 
so wonderfully said. I couldn't have done it any better. That is very profound, and it's so truthful. Is you know, try seeing the world through your fur kid's eyes, and you know, and feel grateful for what you have rather than focus on the have-nots. And they have much shorter lives than we do, and they don't spend their time fretting about that, do they? They, well, they probably don't realise they how you know have that concept of a shortened life, but we do living with them, and that's one of the great sadnesses of becoming so attached to our pets. Unless you have a tortoise or a parrot that might live to be a hundred, you know that one day you'll have to say goodbye. But they don't focus on that. They focus on now and what's good about now. And I think that's such a valuable lesson. It really is. And just to touch on one thing, see, all of my cats have been rescues. But interestingly enough, they came to me. Dennis literally was meowing outside my door, my home, and opened the door. He walked in and he just stayed. And that's how Dennis came about. And... um Molly was born right outside the front steps of my home because we were helping out a little teeny cat that just removed the studio to another neighborhood. She was right there, and she we just started feeding her. And a few months later, she had this kitten with her. I thought that she was a kitten herself because she's so tiny. And she, um, mm-hmm. a few months later, gave birth, and there came Molly right outside the door so and then charlotte was the one that was with sammy who grew into a humongous kitten but there's since then we've gotten sammy and her baby daddy fixed and we take them inside but sammy's not the kind of cat that wants to ever be inside and her dude (laughs) jethro would be too lonesome you know he'd be fine but sammy would be too lonesome without it see we have i have a cat family actually is what i have (laughs) So <laughs> it's it's kind of in this ma- a major family, and they came, you know, they were born during, right around a hurricane, so they were rescued from getting drowned, and there's all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, it's, you know, sometimes the, they chose us, so sometimes they do that, you know, and I think Bono was chosen, think- he was chosen for you somehow. Definitely, it certainly felt like that, and he was such a, it was such a fragile little guy, and yet he was so alive, and the bonds that he created between, well, between the two of us, and then the people that we met in New York who are all animal lovers, it changes your perception of a city when you meet animal lovers, because they're very open-hearted and warm people, and if when I've come here as a tourist, it's been such a different experience from going to a pet supply store and people saying, oh, you're fostering a cat. Please take this bowl. Thank you very much for, you know, helping a, an animal in our city. And uh, it just made it a wonderful experience. And coming back here on this trip to reconnect with the people who love Bono, it's just been one of the richest experiences of my life and and they're bonds that will last forever I think as long as we're alive well it's been it's been wonderful talking to you about your story and also about Bono and I um, encourage everyone out there listening and I know most almost everybody on listens to Catitude is a fanatic about cats and deeply loves cats but this is a great book for anyone it's 
the writing, your voice is, and the writing is so interesting, Helen. And um, I really love this book. So, and I want to just thank you for coming on Catitude and sharing everything with us. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Michelle. It's been a delight talking to you. I can see you are a total animal fanatic. How wonderful. Yes, we are. We're, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost too much. But I just want to, again, um, say, you know, thanks again for coming on. It's been wonderful. Thank you. What a wonderful show. And I'm telling you, if you like to, just if you like to read in general, even if you don't like to read, Bono, B-O-N-O by Helen Brown. Amazing book and so interesting. And it's it's for if you're a cat lover, like all, most of us on Catitude, you're gonna love it. But just if you like the idea of reading, even if you don't like the idea of reading, it's so interesting. And I encourage everybody to read it. You can find it practically anywhere. And I would like to thank my um, feline fur kids, which are Dennis, Molly, and Charlotte, for cozying up around me as I read Bono. And thanks to my guest, Helen Brown, for coming on Catitude. And thanks to my producer, Mark Winner, for making me and my guest always sound wonderful. Stay tuned. There's going to be so many more interesting, great shows coming up on Catitude. And thank you so much for listening. Yes, we were the number one show downloaded in iTunes. So thank you. And um, I plan to keep it that way. I'm competitive. So we're going to have great shows coming up on Catitude. As always, thank you for listening. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.